Welcome to episode number 205 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. What you just heard is a song called Bamboola Rhythm from the album Swamp Romp by Jeanette and Scott. And it's great. And it's all New Orleans. And it's funky. And if you know anything about New Orleans, you know that it's funky and swampy. And I'm sitting here outside in Bruceville, Texas. You ever been to Bruceville, Texas? It's a little swampy here, too. It's very hot and humid, but I'm loving it. And you're going to love this conversation with Jeanette and Scott. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out all the past episodes at goodstuffpod.com. Drop me a line, Mike, at goodstuffpod.com. would love to hear from you. Here is Jeanette and Scott. Here we go. It's a great pleasure to welcome Jeanette Downing and Scott Billington, otherwise known as Jeanette and Scott, to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you all today? We're doing great. We're doing wonderful. Thank you. Happy Mardi Gras. Uh, happy Mardi Gras. Right. So like, we're going to start right off with that. So you, where, where are you all lo- located? In New Orleans. We're, uh, li- we live uptown. Okay, great. Um, so I I recently moved to Houston, um, and there's a there's a bit of overlap I think uh, in terms of Houston and New Orleans. I think they're two big cities that are not so far from each other. I think it's like a five hour drive or so, um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of New Orleans influence here in terms of the food and things like that, which I love, which makes me very 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 happy. But um, I guess my question for you out of that is, are you all New Orleans natives? Like, where, did you grow up there? Is that where you're from? Yes, I'm a, I'm a New Orleans native. And um, Scott, you're from? Well, I actually grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. But I've been, I've been traveling to New Orleans for, oh, 35 or 40 years now, primarily producing records, often for Rounder Records. And uh, lived here about half the time during that time. And when Johnette and I got married about six years ago, I became a New Orleanian at that point. Yeah, you were you were <laughs> we, born, you were married into it. Right. That's right. <laughs> we roped him in. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think one of the the great things that that I like to do here on the podcast is hear a little bit about where you're coming from musically before we get to the present. And I think that there's a lot of uh, musical knowledge between the two of you. So it's just uh, like a a few, you know, a little bit from from each of you, sort of where you're coming from musically, and then we'll sort of round out the picture with where we're at now. So, Jeanette, do you wanna do you mind starting? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to live to be born in New Orleans, and my parents were both musicians in the church, and they would take us to jazz clubs in the French Quarter on the weekends, and we would stand in the doorways because we were too young to get in, you know, uh, and we would stand in the doorways and listen to Dixieland and blues and all of the genres of, of Louisiana music, and um, and that was huge influence on me just to have that right in our back in my back door, you know, and. Oops, sorry. Uh, no worries. <laughs> um, and um, so then, and then also my grandparents lived in rural Louisiana. And uh, so we would go there and all the dance clubs 
in that area. Um, and of course, my my heritage is French, Spanish, Native American, Irish, Scottish, and German. Uh-huh. <laughs> like like many people from Louisiana, it's a big mix. We we all we jokingly say we're a gumbo. Right. So just to have Cajun and Zydeco and jazz and um, all of these musical influences right here, it it was just such an amazing uh, upbringing. Yeah. And you can hear it in my in, in my music and Definitely. even the Afro-Caribbean and the Haitian influences that we have in Louisiana, um, and especially in New Orleans. And, well, and actually in, in southwest Louisiana mm-hmm. as well with the Creole, the Creole-Haitian uh, culture there. So that's what you hear in my music and, um, yeah. and in my life, too. Right. So, <laughs> and you've been primarily a a children's artist for for through your career, or are there other Absolutely. other branches and things? Well, I started out, and because my parents were musicians, I was in different bands, uh, and then I was playing folk bands, and I was performing at this little club called the Penny Post. It was a little coffee shop. It's very popular in the seventies and eighties. And a children's musician named Judy Stock. She was in the audience, and she said, "Boy, you would be great with children. You're so funny." And you know, and and it was really like a bell went off, and I said, "Wow!" You know, I knew right then that's what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. And from that moment on, it was sort of like I was in the depth. I was in my flow and everything just sort of happened organically and I started getting jobs and people started booking me and music ideas and um, so I knew I was in the right place when everything started to flow. Amazing. Okay. So I love that you said you were in your Dow. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Okay. So Scott, and then, so it sounds like you, you had some, some different kinds of experiences. So tell us a little bit about where you're coming from musically. I got I got bit by a roots music bug when I was really young. When I was in my early to mid teens, we were living in New Jersey at the time. And when I was fifteen or sixteen years old, some friends of mine and I went into the village and heard the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, uh-huh. and um, that just sort of changed my whole life. And I just kept digging deeper and deeper into American roots music and blues and New Orleans R and B, and it became the, the great driving force and passion in my life. So by the time I was 17 or 18 years old, I was playing harmonica in bands around the Boston area and eventually went to work for Rounder Records, uh, kind of right place at right time. I was able to start producing records of the music that I loved so much and was very much drawn to Louisiana. So in 1981, I came to Bogalusa, Louisiana, to record Clarence Gatemouth Brown, who was a blues guitar player. Oh, yeah, of course. Or, yeah. or blues and beyond. And ended up winning a Grammy with that record. Wow. Um, it was Rounder's wow. first Grammy. And that sort of got my feet on the ground in Louisiana as a, as a music producer. So whether it was making records by a Zydeco artist like Buckweed Zydeco or the Dirty Dozen Brass Band in New Orleans or Irma Thomas in New Orleans... It's been a very um, wonderful career, and I've had the opportunity to work with some of the very greatest musicians in, in the state. Um, just two years ago, I won a Grammy with Bobby Rush, who is a um, blues harmonica player, singer from, from Jackson, Mississippi. And um, But he was born in Louisiana. He was born in Louisiana, <laughs> that's right. Stay true, stay true. <laughs> um, so... One thing, so there's a lot in here, and there, there's a lot of learning, I think, that we can 
you know, a lot of teaching that you all can do through what you're, what we're going to talk about. And I want to try to be a little bit organized about it, but that's on me rather than on you. So you, you're a harmonica player now. So let's clarify some things about the harmonica. And I think that this is a learning thing for a lot of kids and a lot of people. Harmonica is not as easy as it looks. Right. Like you can pick up a harmonica and if you're in the key of G and someone's playing a G chord and a C chord and a D chord, even no matter what you do, you're going to sound good. But like to get nuance and to get really good, like tell us a little bit about some of that, I guess, like technique building or practice building or, or people that we could listen to to really get a true feeling of what the harmonica can do as an instrument. Sure. It it is a simple instrument and what they call the diatonic harmonica, the, the 10 hole harmonica has 20 notes. And you're right. When you blow into it or draw, draw out of the harmonica, you get a, a pleasing chord. So if you're, if you're playing with somebody in the key of G and you've got a G harmonica, you can make that chord and you're never going to sound out of tune or like you're playing something inappropriate. But there's a lot of depth in the harmonica too. Uh, in terms of the nuance you can get by bending notes and making it sound more like a human voice. It's a very emotional instrument for me in that regard. And it takes a lot of practice just to learn how to blow a single note to begin with, um, how to move your mouth and how to move your chest so that you get the notes to bend. In other words, the note will go down from the note that it was designed to play. Because when you think about it, it, it was designed by Europeans who would play the Blue Danube waltz on it. And if you're just playing straight harmonica, it sounds great that way. Somewhere in the United States, country musicians and blues musicians discovered that there was this whole other way of playing the harmonica, not, not the way it was intended to be played by the people who designed it, and getting this very human vocal quality out of it. it it's something that resonates with people when they hear it. And um, there are some really good lessons that you can take online now, but, but the person that really inspired me, Paul Butterfield, is still a good starting point for a child that wants to hear the potential in the instrument. Uh, Little Walter, a blues harmonica player from Chicago, originally from uh, Louisiana. Uh, some people consider him the, the, the greatest blues harmonica player in, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and today, um, oh, there's a player from Chicago named Howard Levy who's learned a whole new way of playing the diatonic harmonica so you can play a full 12-note scale on it. Um, he's often played with Bela Fleck. He's somebody oh. that would be wonderful to listen to as well. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, you know, the, the Bela Fleck records on Rounder are incredible. Just side note. <laughs> I don't know if oh, you're yeah, involved yeah. with those at all. Like, <laughs> I, have, I have them, and they, they just sound great. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Jeanette, here's something that I need to learn from you. Um, so the the music that you all make is, uh, and I love the the term gumbo because it's one of my favorite foods. But there's <laughs> there's a lot of different influence in there, right? And so uh, I think that I could use like I understand Cajun, I understand Zydeco, I understand jazz, swamp pop makes sense, New Orleans rhythm and blues makes sense. But there's one that I've never, I, I don't know if I. I, I'm guessing I've heard it, but I've never like labeled it in this way. It, and I apologies if I pronounce it wrong, but I'd love to get a little education on what Ileño music is. Did I say that right? 
Right, Isleño, uh, it means islander. Right, in the 1700s, um, people from the Canary Islands came here before it was Louisiana. It was, um, the country was, this section was owned by Spain. And so people from the Canary Islands, which is part of Spain, it's off the coast of Africa. Um, They came here and settled to, um, and and they had four settlements, and they were Spanish, and that's where my my ancestors came from. And they have um, a unique instrument called a timple, it's a five-string instrument, and it's it's unique to the the Canary Islands. In fact, we tried to buy it somewhere else, and we had to, we couldn't get it anywhere. We had to go to the Canary Islands to get it. And I went there to research my ancestors and found the church and everything where he was baptized. So it was really cool. And um, and they also know uh, they're also known for the decima, which is a ten stanza poem that is sung, and it's usually satirical. They're making fun of fishermen or politicians, and um, you can find it in Cuba, where the Isleños went, or Canary Islanders, and you can find it in um, in Puerto Rico and in Louisiana. The last professional decima singer was Irvin Perez, and he passed away, uh, I think, in a couple of years ago. Um, so I just sort of that we I don't want that tradition to die die out. Mm-hmm. So I I decided to write the Oxcart song. I also wrote a few decimas because um, that's a very small culture in Louisiana, and some people in Louisiana don't even know about the Isleño culture here. Sure. So, um, but Baton Rouge, this, our state capital is called Spanish town and it's after the Canary Islanders. A lot of people don't know that as well. So I just wanted to teach children about the lesser known, uh, music genres in Louisiana, as well as the popular ones. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I guess in that vein, um, what's a, what's a bambula rhythm? I know that that's like a, a big, a big question and there's a, a song on the record that that's refers to that right there's um bambula rhythm so what what is the bambula rhythm if you if you could and i know that like this could be a technical music nerdy kind of deep dive question but i would love to hear from you what, what it's about and then there's a video that goes along with that song and and i think that explaining some of the things that goes on in that video would be really really cool as well right well the, the bambula is both a dance and a rhythm that came from Africa, from West Africa, to New Orleans. Um, and New Orleans is one of the few uh, places in the country where enslaved Africans were allowed to continue with their cultural traditions. So there was a space called Congo Square in New Orleans. It's still, still here today. It's a park now, Louis Armstrong Park, where on Sunday afternoon, Africans from many different countries would get together. They would sell things that they had made and they would dance, and they would play drums. And I guess if I had to explain the bambula rhythm in a really simple way, it's the rhythm of shave and a haircut, two bits. <laughs> it's, um... You also find it, uh, it's called the clave sometimes, a modification of it, um, yeah. which you hear in, in Puerto Rican music. But the, the bambula rhythm is the underlying beat of so many different kinds of New Orleans music. The second line brass bands that you hear, um, a lot of traditional jazz, the Mardi Gras Indian music, um, different variations of this rhythm are the, oh, it, it drives the music. It's, it's the underlying rhythmic component of so much New Orleans music. Yeah. Um, so is that, so that bop, 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 is that, 
a lot of people, I guess, would potentially call that like the Bo Diddley rhythm. Is that similar kind of thing or is it different? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, same right. thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and Great. and I wanted children in in you know to know what that rhythm is because we we take it for granted. We hear right. it all the time. I mean, if you clap that right now in, into any child, you know, just about any child, in, in, especially in the world, if they know that rhythm, but they don't really know what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the people in the video said, "Man, I just learned what that was called recently," and then he he's been playing that music forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we just wanted children. That, that's that was the whole theme of this this album is to teach children and families and uh, here and beyond because New Orleans music is popular worldwide, mm-hmm. and we wanted to teach them all those things that they already hear or that or maybe teach them something new, mm-hmm. and and make a whole other la- layer that they can enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the video. There, there's some characters in there. What, what, uh, who, who is in the video, I guess. And, and what are you doing? And maybe a word about like what a second line is. I think that could be, if people don't know, um, that, that would be another piece in which you're educating sure. all of us. Yeah. A second line is basically a parade. Um, in the cool months of the year in new Orleans, there's a second line parade on almost every Sunday afternoon. And, there are clubs that put on these parades. They're generally called social and pleasure clubs, which had their origins in, um, oh, going back a century or more. They were fraternal organizations um, put together by African-Americans who provided burial insurance and, and um, oh, services that, that were not available to their members elsewhere. Um, The second line started out as a funeral procession. Um, If you belong to one of these social and pleasure clubs and you passed away, you were guaranteed a really good send-off. And the second line parade would come after the funeral. The, the, The band would march to the graveyard and playing very slow hymns and solemn music. And after the funeral was complete, everybody would leave the graveyard and the band would break into an exuberant, probably bambula-driven song, just celebrating the joy of life and celebrating this person that had just left this planet in a very positive way, and people would dance down the street behind the band. That still happens in New Orleans, but the social and pleasure clubs now have parades on Sunday afternoon just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. So you get the root of one of these parades, um, it's actually a backstreet cultural museum in New Orleans now that keeps track of all of this. You can go there and find out when the parades are happening. The members of the Social and Pleasure Club get all dressed up in bright colors and hats and umbrellas and feathers, and they get to march down the street in front of the brass band that's playing, and everybody else who wants to join the parade can join behind the band and just dance down the street. And it's just such an exuberant wonderful happening it seems so spontaneous and um it'll put a smile on your face when you see a second line coming down the street yeah. <laughs> and, and as a new orleanian we just love to party and we love to invite all of our <laughs> friends so it's like oh you know everything we celebrate everything funerals weddings birthdays you know funerals are not solemn here you know we celebrate life um we call it a joie de vivre a celebration of life a zest mm-hmm. for life mm-hmm. yeah that's that's great um so the all of that comes together um, and 
in this record, Swamp Romp, which uh, just came out. What, when did it actually come out? Is there, there's an actual date, I'm sure. Um, it came out on February 15th, this oh, okay. 2019. Yeah. All right, so we're a couple weeks, a couple weeks uh, from the release date. And, you know, all of the songs on here have sort of different you know, educational components or, or ways to educate about the music of New Orleans and what inspires it. And I think that, you know, your website is a great resource in terms of it has all the lyrics and it gives background on where the songs come from, you know, so I'm looking at who got the baby in the king cake. And, you know, I think that that's not just a great song with lots of horns and it's pretty amazing, but it, it also has the it, it talks about a king cake and that's another of these like really sort of unique and special to new Orleans kinds of things. So where did that particular song come from? Like the inspiration, I think that, you know, there's a king cake <laughs> like explanation in there as well. Um, it would be really cool to hear about that one. Well, during Mardi Gras season, the culinary centerpiece is a king cake and it's a round cake that came from France um, and inside the cake is a little plastic baby. It used to be a pecan or a pea or something, but there's a little plastic baby hidden inside the cake. And when and we have these king cake parties where everyone comes and you get a slice. And if you get the baby in your slice of king cake, you are crowned king or queen for the day. And you're required to buy the next king cake and host the next party. So as you can see, there's a theme where we like to party. We're yeah, always- <laughs> I like to party. New Orleans loves to party. That's true. It's true. Right. So we're always doing having little devices that like, oh, well, now you have to host oh. the next party. See you <laughs> next week. Okay, now you have to host the next party. So we continue this celebration um and when i was a little girl king cake parties were my favorite thing because we weren't we weren't given a lot of sweets and treats Mm -hmm. when i was a child so during holidays like mardi gras and you know easter and all those sorts of things we would get candy candy and treats so um i decided to write this who got the baby and that's a little colloquial uh term who got the baby instead Uh of who found the baby right so um and it's like, I got the baby. Oh, who got the baby? Okay, she got the baby. She's going to have the next party and everybody knows where to go next week. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, I wanted to have a Dixieland jazz band. So we have members of the um, the Dukes of Dixieland in the, in that um, on that song, mm-hmm. which they do amazing job. It just gives you that whole New Orleans Mardi Gras feel. Oh, that's so great. And it is Mardi Gras now, isn't it? It's, it is. It, it is. Okay, yeah. it's, it's kicked off. So how long, you know? Again, you're teaching. You're you're teaching all the time, and you're teaching every <laughs> I know I love Mardi Gras. I know Mardi Gras is the best. I know it happens around now. But like, what's the timeline for for Mardi Gras? Well, Mardi Gras is a season. It actually starts on the day called Epiphany, which is twelve days after Christmas. Okay. And January sixth. January sixth. Yes. And there's a uh, there are a couple of parades that happen on that day. Um, there's one Mardi Gras crew, which which is a, a different kind of word. It's usually spelled K R E W E an organization of people who get together to have a parade or some sort of event during the Mardi Gras season. Um, there's one crew that rides the streetcar from uptown all the way downtown on January 6th. But right now, these couple of weeks before the actual day of Mardi Gras might be the time that's the most fun to be in New Orleans it's a very family-oriented time. People think of all of the craziness that happens, especially in the French Quarter on Mardi Gras Day. But every evening now, there are two or three parades in town. There's a wonderful one called Crew of Muses, which is happening tonight, which is an all-women's parade. Mm-hmm. And 
you get to see the high school bands, some of whom practice for many, many months just to get ready for Mardi Gras season, marching down the street and dancing. There are teenage dance troops, um, young women and young men who dance during the Mardi Gras season, and beautiful, wonderful floats with um, decorated with flowers and tinsel and people dressed like kings and queens on them. And for many children, the most exciting part is being able to catch the throws that people throw off of the Mardi Gras float. A throw can be a, a string of beads. It can be a necklace. It can be a football. It can be an umbrella. All of these things get thrown off of the floats into the audience. And everybody holds their hands up and says, throw me something, mister, or throw me something, lady, and tries to catch all of these different things that are thrown from the floats. So. People don't think of Mardi Gras as a family-type celebration, but in these evening parades, it truly is. Yes, and Mardi Gras is a French for Fat Tuesday. Mardi means Tuesday, and Gras means fat. Mm -hmm. So Fat Tuesday, and it ends on Fat Tuesday, the and the on Ash Wednesday is mm -hmm. the, the first day of Lent. And since we have so many Catholics in Louisiana, uh, Lent is the celebration after Mardi Gras. So they're partying before they have to... Um, have a religious cer ceremony, uh, mm -hmm. 40, 40 days of Lent. Mm -hmm. oh, of being quiet, not partying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Okay, cool. So, I mean, th that's just a sampling, I think, of uh, of the music. Um, well, not necessarily the music, but but what's going on behind the music. And, you know, it's. Uh, I just love this analogy of gumbo. Like, there's so much going on, and there's so many different things. And I think that that's... Um, a really spectacular piece of, of what you all are, are doing together. Um, so tell, tell me a little bit about a program that you all would do. So if you were to go into a school or if you were to go to a library or any venue, right? What is the, what is the experience like when people go see Jeanette and Scott and what do you, what, what are you aiming for? And just how amazingly fun is it? <laughs> It's really fun because mm -hmm. our aim for this was to, uh, and this is what I do, uh, what we do when we go into schools and libraries and museums and performing arts centers. Um, the, the key thing is to get families dancing together because that is such a big part of our culture in New Orleans and in Louisiana. So we have them up dancing Cajun dance, Zydeco dancing. They get a, a little sampling of a Dixieland song, um, some blues. So they, it's the same, it's sort of like the, that's why we wanted this record to be a dance party because that is what it's like. They're they're getting the sampling, but they're able to interact and dance and move because many families don't dance that much, you know, anymore. Um, there's of course there's certain cultures that will always have danced cultures, but um, they'll always be dancing. But that's that's what they'll do in one of our performances. They will they will get a sampling of the music from Louisiana, the best that we have to offer here. And they get to move and have a good time and interact with one another. And they get to sing along, too. Um, some of the songs have words in Spanish. Some of the songs have words in French. And the children get to know some of this music firsthand because they're actually participating in the music as it's played for them. Great. Right. Yeah. Um, it's such a it's just so deep. Right. And when you and when you think about New Orleans, you think about Mardi Gras, and there's so much great, you know, I have listened to music from New Orleans for years, like the meters. And I just think that they're the best and the whole, the mm -hmm. whole scene is great. And I've spent many great times in New Orleans, but I think that like 
digging into it from an educational standpoint, which sounds like you all really, really do. And you really can answer these kinds of questions and know like fundamentally where the music comes from is, is a whole different side of things. And I think that that's a really special thing that you all are really doing. So I want to thank you for that. Um, so, you know, as we, uh, as we draw to a close, there's a lot to, there's a lot that's still unanswered, right? There's a lot to still explore. <laughs> there's a lot to, to dig into in terms of what you all are doing. So what's the best way for people to, to find you and to follow you or, or get more information, those kinds of things like social media, website, et cetera? Well, they can go to our website, johnetteandscott.com. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, this, the record does have a booklet that teaches, that explains all of the music and, and where, the, where it's rooted. Um, we also, we're also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. So just look up Johnette and Scott on those platforms as well. And then we're on Spotify and Apple music, yeah, and, lots of yeah. streaming, <laughs> all the spots. Okay. Yes. Um, so we, we talked about gumbo. Um, and I, I can, I can go off on tangents about food, but I'm going to ask a, a, a question that may put you on the spot a little bit, but I think it's important to know as the gurus and authorities on all things, new Orleans, if you were to order a po' boy, what do you think is well? It's it's less of a what do you think, but what is your favorite thing to get on a po' boy? Well, first of all, when you order it, the person you order from is going to say, "Do you want it dressed?" Oh, okay. And that doesn't mean do you want a hat on it and some shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that means do you want mayo, mustard, lettuce, tomato, pickles? Do you want the hot sauce? Yeah, uh-huh. condiments. You know. Okay, the works. Um, yeah. Right. My favorite po' boy is half and half oyster and shrimp. Oh, delicious. Okay. Smart (laughs) choice. Smart choice. And for me, there's nothing that beats an oyster po' boy from Krabby Jacks. (laughs) Krabby Jacks. All right. Shout out to Krabby Jacks. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Um, Well, thank you all. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you all so much uh, for your time and for taking the time to to teach me and taking the time to teach the listeners of the show and the record is great and it sounds awesome. And we're going to play a little sample of it and this is just great. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for having us on. It's been thank great you. to meet you and great to talk with you. Allons danser. Let's dance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so are you ready to dance with Jeanette and Scott? I am. Let's hear that full song, Bamboola Rhythm. And of course, if you like what you heard, you should check out all of Jeanette and Scott's album, Swamp Romp, wherever you get your music. And you should find all the past episodes of the Good Stuff Kids podcast, www.goodstuffpod.com. Can you hear all the birdies chirping and other animals making animal sounds in the background here? Oh, of course, I stopped talking. They get quiet. Okay, here is Bamboola Rhythm by Jeanette and Scott. Talk to you soon.
Stuff.